District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Do you hear that? There are no more cicadas, cicadas that are chirping. I am so relieved that we are finally done with these nuisances. Let me tell you the truth. I <laughs> did not like seeing them. They were like crashing into my car window. They were everywhere omnipresent. They were just so annoying. And I am so glad the stupid takes, the stupid recipes, and just all the fanfare relating to them are going to stop now that they have started to disappear. I think they disappeared when I was on my trip to Tennessee, but I am relieved that the cicadas are gone. Good riddance. 17 years. We'll see what happens then. But anyway, more broadly, welcome to District of Conservation. I'm Gabriella Hoffman, your host. I have just returned from the Professional Outdoor Media Association's 15th annual conference where I was just beginning my term and I was elected to secretary and I met so many wonderful people. We're going to have some of those new people I met here on the show very soon and some long standing people I've known in Poma also come on because we weren't able to record just given how busy the show was. But anyway, we had a blast. I loved going to Franklin, Tennessee. I loved shooting some guns. I shot an AK-47 for the first time. So I had a blast and it is just so great to be involved in this organization and you're not going to hear me stop and extol just how much I love the organization and I'm going to make the case for why you guys should join if you're a budding outdoor communicator. So anyway, today's episode, I'm going to read for you a few headlines, two stories in particular. One was a case that I forgot to talk about last week and a complication to President Biden's offshore wind agenda, interestingly enough. And I'll kind of recap what you can expect on the show going forward with respect to guests. But here is what I have for you today with respect to headlines. I, for some reason, glossed over this. So on January 15th, this is really important, from NBC News, a federal judge blocks Biden's ban on leases for drilling on public lands. And the subheadline is the Interior Department said it would, quote, comply with the decision signaling the lease sales to drill in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico will likely resume, at least for now. And if you guys don't recall, this stemmed from one of Biden's first executive orders that basically undid all of the energy policy that was enacted under the Trump administration, a mere revocation of that. And if you comb through, and I've linked it to the show notes if you're curious from his first day in office basically as part of the announcement of it so if you look there go to the arctic refuge section on section 4a and part b you can see the original executive order and i'm going to read more for you from the suspension of this and Here is what the report says. In a setback for President Joe Biden's efforts on climate change, a federal judge in Louisiana on Tuesday, last Tuesday, blocked the administration's temporary ban on new leases to drill for oil and gas on public lands and ordered that releases sales continue. And I had mentioned earlier that the Department of Interior will comply with the decision. During Biden's first days in office, his department paused new leases while reviewing the program to decide whether extracting oil and gas from federal lands and water should continue in the future as the president seeks to wean the U.S. off fossil fuels, which is not going to work out, if I may say so. The Department of Interior has also held a public forum on the issue and said that an interim report on the future of the program will be coming over this issue. And this suit, according to the report, was filed by Louisiana State Attorney General Jeff Landry and 12 other Republicans' attorney general who sued in March to block the temporary ban, arguing the administration has 
had circumvented legal requirements for carrying out such a move. And on Tuesday, Judge Terry Doty of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana issued a preliminary injunction blocking the administration from enforcing its moratorium. And Judge Doty said this order applies, quote, nationwide. And in his decision, quote, he wrote, millions and possibly billions of dollars are at stakes, he wrote in the 44-page moratorium accompanying the injunction. Local government funding, jobs for plaintiff's state workers, and funds for the restoration of Louisiana's coastlines are at stake. Plaintiff states have a reliance interest in the proceeds derived from offshore and on-land and gas lease sales. And... The Department of Interior responded, we are reviewing the judge's opinion and will comply with the decision, the department said, without specifying any plans to appeal. And this setback comes as Biden is seeking to rapidly transition the U.S. away from oil, coal, and gas, fossil fuels that emit carbon dioxide and other heat-trapping gases blamed for global warming, including ramping up production of renewable energy sources. Very interesting. We will continue to follow this, but as expected... All of us, I think casual observers, regardless of how you stand, this is certainly this was certainly going to be challenged, unsurprisingly, just given the implications that the plaintiffs of the case laid out. I think a lot more executive orders will be challenged, so we may see some similar challenges and opinions being ruled from different district courts, maybe even Supreme Court's cases coming out. They're deciding a lot of stuff, too, so this is an interesting court case. I want to talk about also... Second item relating to another roadblock potentially for President Biden's offshore wind push. And I'm going to, I have to circle back with this individual, but I'm going to try to have Alex Epstein on who has written a book on the case for fossil fuels. And we're going to have him dissect kind of his take on why renewable pushes are impractical and largely not sustainable. We'll have him come on as an aside soon. I need to follow up with him. But this is from the E&E News, which was just acquired by Politico. And they say that the Migratory Bird Act complicates President Biden's offshore wind push. And this was published yesterday, Monday, June 21st, 2021. And a reading from this goes like this. Here's what the report says. President Biden's plan to dramatically expand offshore wind power within a decade could come at a hefty price, the accidental killing of many migratory birds. Biden has promised to advance 16 offshore wind farms along the Northeast Atlantic by 2025 as part of his climate and clean energy jobs plan. The projects represent thousands of turbines constructed over the next decade, with some rising as much as 800 feet in the air off the coast of New York, Massachusetts, and Virginia. I will tell you guys an aside, we had a interesting report from the Wall Street Journal that showed that two prospective wind turbines costing $150 million each are pretty controversial. I think you're going to see these coastal communities object to this and fight this in addition to their concerns with birds. But in Virginia, we had a case like this, and I'll cite it into the notes section if you're curious. Exactly how dangerous these projects will be to birds is still unclear, but many experts are concerned about the projected scale of the industry. At the same time, uncertainties with federal wildlife law could create new obstacles for industry, some say. So it apparently says that the last administration interpreted the Migratory Bird Treaty Act so that it no longer penalizes companies for the accidental killing of birds. Last month, the Fish and Wildlife Service announced that it would undo the Trump changes, potentially creating a new complication for the agency in the offshore wind industry as it gets off the ground. Still, many bird advocates say they are forging a peace with the offshore wind industry because of the catastrophic risks of climate change and the push to move away from fossil fuels. To me, it seems that this would be a lose-lose for endangered and imperiled birds. Like, I mean, just given how much fossil fuels have to go into the construction and production of wind turbines and solar, too, 
this is not going to be practical. I hate to say this. I want to be forward thinking and embracing new technology. And I think you should do it on your own accord without government subsidies. I agree with former Secretary Pompeo when he said that, when I teased that here on the podcast. But how can you claim to be for conservation, support the merits of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and say, well, okay, just to fight this, we have to embrace this new technology that could potentially kill all these endangered birds? To me, it does not seem practical. And I hope different bird groups, conservation groups, do speak out against this. You're going to see a lot of tourism bureaus. Another component people do not discuss in our friend of the show, Cody McLaughlin, talked about this too. There are initial studies coming out saying the construction of wind turbines offshore actually complicates and interrupts fish migration patterns and other marine life patterns that occur. You know, they migrate, they don't stay stagnant in one place. So this could implicate a lot of marine wildlife too. And we'll, we'll talk more about that and explore that because we have to be, I think it's important to share both sides. And I think it's important you guys know the truth about these emerging technologies, which may sound great, but they're not truly sustainable with respect to cost, with respect to portability, and with respect to not destroying wildlife in the process. So we will talk at length about that. And this, again, is from E&E News. So two interesting subjects, a court case and also these complicated matters. We see this also with solar panels out west in my home state where conservationists and also solar advocates are fighting head They're butting heads over the fact that solar panel construction will imperil endangered tortoises and other species out west. So conveniently, they're not talking about this because they have an agenda to push. They they don't want any criticism of renewables, and I think it's only fair to talk about the different caveats and nuances behind this. And like I said, I do want to bring on Alex Epstein, so I will talk to him too. And you should expect that from me in the coming weeks as well. A housekeeping note, I want you guys to be aware that we're going to have our next episode on Thursday. I'm going to put out the full entire audio from my filming for Conservation Nation episode five that I do with CFACT as well. You're going to hear the full audio from the three participants we spoke to. That'll be out on Thursday. We had a teaser back in, I think it was April. Now you're going to get the full length conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it, but make sure you stay on the lookout for Thursday and then we'll return for a regular programmatic schedule Monday. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews. We'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries.